Welcome to the SCC English podcast number 22. This is Julian Gerdham from St. Columbus College in Dublin in Ireland. Visit our blog sccenglish.ie for more. This is the fifth podcast in a series of six on Shakespeare's play King Lear leading up to the Leaving Certificate in early June 2010. One of the most notorious scenes in all drama comes in the middle of this play. It is, of course, Act 3, Scene 7, The Blinding of Gloucester. Even in the dry confines of a classroom, it makes many pupils squirm in discomfort at the least, and perhaps even horrified. One professional recording I sometimes use has a squelchy, slurpy sound that often makes teenagers cry out in disgust. And yet very few students of the play react similarly to the many deaths in Shakespeare's tragedies. Surely the defining moment, the most awful scene in the play King Lear, is the death of Cordelia. And I've yet to hear anyone in a classroom sniffling with distress when we read that scene. Is death not worse than blinding? But something about the nature of the eye makes this awful gouging particularly disgusting and also mentally disturbing. The eye is soft, vulnerable, easily hurt. The eye is also the first sense in perceiving the world around us. And this scene is particularly memorable in this play because there is a consistent trope or metaphor throughout the story about blindness and seeing. So in this short talk, I'm going to try to prompt some thoughts in you about this idea. And I should say before I start that you don't have to see the words blindness or seeing in an essay title to write about these ideas. The ground I'm covering here is also to do with foolishness, with learning, with development, with justice and injustice. First, let's go back to that blinding scene, as long as you're not feeling too squeamish. There have already been many references to seeing and eyes in the play before this. And then on the fifth line of the scene, Goneril says to Cornwall, pluck out his eyes. And this is what Cornwall does, rather than the first idea, which was voiced by Regan, hang him instantly. It's clear that the former would be too swift for these three malevolent people. Just before the servants bring in Gloucester, Cornwall says, cynically and openly, Though well we may not pass upon his life without the form of justice, yet our power shall do a curtsy to our wrath, which men may not but control. In other words, Gloucester needs some sort of trial. This one involves instant conviction and punishment. And Cornwall knows that no one will be able to object. Well, he's wrong, actually. A nameless servant kills him in horror. When Gloucester arrives, Cornwall says that truly horrible line, bind fast his corky arms. And then Regan humiliates him by plucking his beard. Gloucester says that he helped the king because I would not see thy cruel nails pluck out his poor old eyes. Well, if they hadn't got the idea yet, surely they do now. And then we get the double blinding, including the charming phrase which everyone remembers, out vile jelly. All is now dark and comfortless, since Gloucester cannot see. And then Regan reveals it was Edmund who betrayed him, and he says, Oh, my follies, then Edgar was abused. In other words, I was stupid or blind. At the start of the next scene, when being guided by an old man, he tells Edgar, without knowing who he is, I have no way and therefore want no eyes. I stumbled when I saw. 
So this scene in a visual and highly visceral, which means gut-like, manner encapsulates an idea which spreads throughout the story. I'm going to skip fairly fast over the early parts of the play now. Listen to podcast one for an analysis of the opening scene, in which it is obvious that Lear is blind. He is blind to Goneril and Regan's plotting, to Kent's true qualities, to Cordelia's love, and most of all, importantly, blind to himself and his own foolishness. Kent says to him, see better Lear, but he doesn't want to hear that, or rather see it. In succeeding scenes, he continues to be blind, unable to accept the reality of his situation. Perhaps this is not too surprising. He has been an autocratic ruler, never challenged or questioned by his advisers or subjects. There is nothing in the position of such a man that trains him to analyse himself, to be in the slightest introspective. And then gradually the weight of evidence begins to turn him. Goneril and Regan's, Regan's heartlessness and disrespect for a start. As the critic Tony Nuttall says in his book Shakespeare the Thinker, Lear must be broken down before he is remade. The fool, like Kent, tries to make him see sense, see the truth. But the fool's many pointed comments are ignored. In Act 1, Scene 5, he tells Lear that your nose is in the middle of your face, quote, to keep one's eyes of the other side's nose that what a man cannot smell out he may spy into. But Lear fails to use either his nose or his eyes. This theme is echoed in the subplot, in which Gloucester is also obviously foolish, getting both his sons, Edgar and Edmund, wrong. In Act 1, Scene 2, he is comically inept, he falls for Edmund's trickery. When the latter pretends he is hiding a paper, Gloucester says, No, what needed then that terrible dispatch of it into your pocket? The quality of nothing hath not such need to hide itself. Let's see. Come, if it be nothing, I shall not need spectacles. Ironically, it is nothing, and yet he does need spectacles. The stories of both these men, then, move from blindness towards some form of seeing via suffering. This might make the play seem Christian, positive in its structure, but in the fact the damage has already been done. It was done while they were both blind, and by the gouging scene and the central storm scenes when Lear begins to see many truths, chaos has taken over their lives and will eventually destroy them. It's too late to go back. It's too late, in a sense, now to see. This process is also one undergone by Edgar and Albany, both decent men who eventually become clear-sighted. Again, they're too late. And the characters who can see are peripheral, like Kent, ineffective, the fool, or nasty, Edmund. At the core of the play is a series of scenes in its middle which show how Lear is changing, remaking himself, and despite his evident semi-madness, becoming more sane. So you need to look at Act 3, Scene 3, in which Lear notices the fool's misery. He sees him for the first time as a human being, which he's never done before. Come on, my boy, art cold. And for once he responds to the fool's words, the rain it raineth every day, by saying, true, my good boy. In Act 3, Scene 4, 
Prompted by the example of the lunatic poor Tom, he begins to see the reality of life for many of his subjects. And you should know especially well Act 4, Scene 6, during which he shows a philosophical understanding of the nature of justice and society, which completely escaped him while he was king. There thou mightest behold the great image of authority, a dog's obeyed in office. And even he himself uses the metaphor to pointed effect. Take that of thee, my friend, who have the power to seal the accuser's lips. Get thee glass eyes, in other words, spectacles, and like a scurvy politician seem to see the things thou dost not. Such politicians, he was one himself not so long ago, see what they want to see rather than what is there. He has come a long way. Earlier in the scene, there is an exchange between himself and Gloucester, the two old blind men of the play. No eyes in your head, says Lear, nor no money in your purse. You see how the world goes. Gloucester replies, I see it feelingly, which literally means that he travels by using his hands, but could metaphorically stand again for the great truth of life that the play tells us, that you can only truly see if you feel emotionally. In the end, Lear's improvement is of no use. Cordelia is killed after he naively believed that they would be allowed to live happily ever after. At the start of that scene, Lear says to Cordelia, Wipe thine eyes. The good years shall devour them flesh and fell, ere they shall make us weep. Well, he's wrong. You also need to look carefully at Cordelia's death. He seems deluded there too, imagining that because the feather in his hand is shaking, it means that she is breathing. And his last lines in the play come back to the language of sight. Pray you, undo this button. Thank you, sir. Do you see this? Look on her. Look, her lips. Look there. Look there. All that suffering and remaking and improvement and humanising of Lear in the end, ironically, just made him all the more open and vulnerable to devastating grief.